Welcome to the Atlas Podcast. My name's Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Bambolt. Uh, and my name is Shekai Mickelson, Creative Director of Atlanta Movie Tours, where I am right now, actually. You're changing up your location on us. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, suddenly I never did anything outside of the closet, and now I can't get back into it. This is what happens once you experience the taste of freedom. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yes. Yes. Uh, and before we get started, I just want to say unto you, happy 10th anniversary. Because, after all, this is our 10th anniversary. It is. Episode, episode yes. number 10. That is exactly what this is. We're, so like, established exciting. now. We are. We're double digits. <laughs> I remember when I turned 10, it was a huge deal. So I'm putting this at the same... This is the same thing. Like, you know, double digits. It's a big deal. So what are we talking about today? We have a pretty awesome show today. We have got... Um, we've got an interview clip from Outcast uh, creator Robert Kirkman and EP Chris Black talk about the new series, which of course launches this Friday on Cinemax. And then we have the box office results from the holiday weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about Alice Through the Looking Glass. I saw that last week. And then I also did the um, Big Zombie 3 tour with Atlanta Movie Tours last week. I've heard of that. I've heard yeah, of that, I'm yes. Maybe familiar with that. Yep. <laughs> And um, then, then I'm told you have a fun fact or or something fun and random to bring up. <laughs> that is an amazing tease. You're like, I'm told there's going to be some ridiculousness brought to the table by you. Yes, every week that will be the case. You did tell me it was a surprise, so I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. So we'll okay, see. Well, 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 now the now the way you've set it up, it's just going to be a complete disappointment. But but I look forward to getting that part of the show when when the wheels completely fall off. It's right at the end, so if it all goes, you know, goes crazy, we're, we'll just peace out. It'll be, it'll be fine. So, uh, how, how was your weekend and such? It was good. It was good. I um, I worked most of the weekend, but I did manage to get a little pool time in on Saturday and got a pretty epic sunburn going on. So oh, nice, nice. That two happened. pools, two sunburns so far. All right. Yeah. Fair yeah. So it's a uh, it's going well. And then of course I did one of the uh, I think it's called the Amazing Escape room or the great escape or one of those rooms where you're trapped uh, in and you have to solve puzzles and we had like 12 people and oh my gosh it's a it's an excellent team building exercise i think <laughs> it's really funny to see how friends interact with one another like in the last 30 seconds when they're trying to get out of a trap um uh, was but, it the one here in downtown or was it a different one it was the one in Sandy Springs. Oh, okay. And it was it was the time travel one. We were doing like a, I'm not sure the official name of it. It was like back, it was back to the future themed um, time travel. And I'm I was told it was the hardest room that they had. It had like a 17 success rate of getting out. And uh, we we didn't get out. And the guy said that we actually got the closest he has ever seen and not gotten out. So I feel like that oh. counts for something. That's that almost counts as like the worst possible compliment you could get. Yeah, that's like much. saying you look great for a really fat lady or something. <laughs> that's that's horrible. But no, congratulations. I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you went all the way to the Olympics and didn't get a medal. Congratulations. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was fun. So uh, that was that was my Memorial Day weekend. How was yours? Oh, it's, uh, very good. Uh, a friend's uh, host a big old backyard barbecue there in a dare park. So we enjoyed all that would be entailed in a backyard barbecue. It was nice. so, so it was fantastic. That's not a very good story at all. So just picture me eating uh, food in a backyard. But uh, yeah, and it's also you know coming back from uh, Los Angeles. 
because uh, I'm used, I used to live in Southern California, would come visit here. So going home to Southern California was magical because all of a sudden you get kind of used to the time zone here and get to go back and you get up early and you're very productive. It is 100% the opposite coming home to East Coast after getting used to West Coast time zone. That's so it's, true. It's horrific and horrible. And it makes me never want to visit the West Coast again. <laughs> <laughs> every year when I'm out there for, for Comic-Con, I'm usually out until like 2 a.m. every night at, at various exactly. networking events or parties. But I still wake up like every morning at like 7 a.m. And I'm like bright eyed and bushy tailed and like ready to go. <laughs> and I wish that I could bring that home with me. But you're right. It does not translate. Oh, my gosh. It's so horrible because like I had a meeting that was at 10 a.m. here. But that's seven o'clock in the morning. Like my watch was going crazy, like the 10 minute alarm, like uh, it's 10 minutes before your meeting. And I'm like, it's 650 in the morning. Oh my gosh, I've done the math horrifically. So <laughs> anyways, but it's good to be back and uh, like kind of back in the swing of work and stuff. You know, it, it was a perfect trip. The kind of trip where you get away from everything long enough, you're antsy to come back and be productive. That's the best kind of trip. It is. It is. Well, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. Well, now that you're back, you're going to have to, um, this Friday, you have to watch Outcast. You absolutely have to watch it. Yeah, you know, tell, talk a little bit about what the hell this show is. <laughs> um, well, it's from Robert Kirkman, and it's based on his comic book series, Outcast, and stars Patrick Fugit. Of course, he was in Gone Girls and most notably known for being the lead in Almost Famous. And he plays a character called Kyle Barnes, who is a man that's possessed by demons uh, since he was quite young. And his search for answers and redemption leads him into a relationship with Reverend Anderson, a West Virginia evangelist who believes he is fighting in a holy war against Earth's evil forces. As Barn sequesters himself from those he loves or fears, um, or loves because he fears hurting them, uh, he begins to kind of delve into the secrets from his past and what he discovers could be life-changing and affect the fate of the world forever. Mm. Pretty epic stuff there. All right. So so where did you get a chance to sit down and talk with these guys? South by Southwest. Um, it was yes. back in March, and I was under embargo on the interviews until this week, of course, because the show premieres uh, Friday night on Cinemax. And it's 10 episodes. It is really, really dark. Um, it makes Walking Dead look like a child show. <laughs> So good. Yeah. More, more uplifting spiritual stuff. Well, uh, yeah, let's, let's check it out. We're, we're like, I love how we're like on location twice. I'm <laughs> on location at, gosh, three times. I'm on location at on locations company. And we're about to clip into you being on location at South by Southwest from the on location tour company. Anyways, it's I just getting it. way it's too, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's totally inception. <laughs> just we're all much better looking than the actors that were in that movie. So I want to say that the audio is not completely perfect on this because these rooms are always insanely chaotic. This one wasn't horrible. It only had two tables um, with two talent at each tables and about three or four press. Um, but sometimes these rooms can get really insane and everyone's kind of talking over everyone. So just kind of bear with it. <laughs> all right, cool. When the outcast was being created as a comic, like where, how does it make the leap from we're going to it was a fairly unique situation. Um, Sharon Talaguado, who uh, runs Fox International, uh, heads up the international side of Walking Dead. So outside of the U.S., uh, Walking Dead is a Fox International show. It's on all the Fox channels. And they do these really cool uh, uh, 
you know, worldwide launches where they kind of launch their shows like a movie where they, uh, you know, launch in countries. Like 120 countries. Yeah, yeah, all at the same time, and it's great. And so uh, uh, we were at some kind of Walking Dead event in between Walking Dead seasons one and two, and uh, she just casually was like, oh, you know, what are you working on now? You got any new things that you're cooking up? And, and I kind of thought I was at a comic book convention talking to, like, a fellow comic professional, and so I was like, oh, well, you know, I got this thing I'm doing. It's about this guy, Kyle Barnes, and it's an extra thing, but it's not really. It's got some cool elements to it, and, you know, did, did this and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and she kind of interrupted me and went, uh, well, I'll buy that. And I was like, well, that's, I don't know what that's all about. Can I just interrupt for a second and say that would be a lovely problem to have? Like, hey, what are you working on? Oh, that sounds weird. I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that would, I would love to have that problem. That means you've arrived <laughs> when that happens to you. Just, it does. Just FYI. Yeah. And then, and then the next day, my, uh, my people, as they say, called me up and they're like, we got this call from Roxanne National. They want to do this deal. Like, what's going on? What is this thing? What did you tell about? her? What did you yeah. promise? Yeah. And so, uh, uh, even before I had yeah. really developed it much as a comic, I had just casually kind of, you know, sold it, which was very strange. How did that inform writing the comic, knowing that it was already sold as a show? Well, I mean, uh, from then I was just kind of left to my own devices to do what I normally do. So I started developing it as a comic book uh, while starting to write it as a pilot. And so, um, you know, it was weird because I was writing them both concurrently. So there would be times where I would be writing the comic and I would say, okay, well, I want to do this scene, but I only have four pages to do this scene, so I'm going to have to take this element and this element out. And then on the pilot script side, I could put that stuff in. And so there were ways that, you know, there were things where, you know, scenes ended up being very different just because there are things that work really well in comics and things that work really well in TV, and those are not the same things. So it was pretty cool. See, that to me was fascinating because they're both such uh, visual mediums. They are. So the fact that, the, the fact that he approached both of them in different ways, like while writing the one thing melted my brain a little bit, but that's, I thought it was pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's really... Um I, I've got to think that's almost got to be kind of freeing when you're writing the comic because it's almost like it's it's more of a summary to what the story is, and then you get to really kind of dive into that with the series. Um, and they they both go hand in hand, so I think that's it's just awesome for fans. That's right. And uh, uh, but then you asked the second question. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, boundaries you guys are kind of pushing? Because I'm assuming you're able to get away with a little bit more with Cinemax Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I don't know. You want to you want to riff on that for a minute? And then, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, look. I, I mean, it's it it is it's nice to not have to be uh, held back by broadcast standards and practices. And I've done a lot of broadcast network television where it's like the sometimes the limitations seem insane to be to really be in terms of violence or the graphic nature of the violence or sex. And there's not a ton of sex in our show or 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 cursing that you know uh, we, that we can. All of that, but to me, those aren't the boundaries that are fun to push. It's to me, it's storytelling boundaries. It's being able to tell stories that would be that would make a broadcast network executive nervous. We can't have our lead character do that. That's going to offend people. People will be too shocked. You're damaging this character in a way we can't get him back from. That we're not going to allow that kind of storytelling. Um, that in a premium cable channel, they're like, great, that sounds really like a bold choice. Let's do that. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, that's the great, what's truly liberating about working in a place like Cinemax, even more so than we can 
you know, show as much, you know, nudity and gore as we want, which is a nice bonus, but it's like, that's that's not really what we're trying to do. So that's our headline, we promise you nudity and gore. Well, this is actually... And we deliver on the daring storytelling. Yeah. This is not a sexy show at all. And then we deliver on the storytelling. Exactly. For the record, I would totally watch a show that had that tagline. Just I, I, I think most males would. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a oh, thing. Well, I mean, like, we have? <laughs> All right, <laughs> Robert's like this suddenly took a turn I wasn't expecting. There's going to be a lot of disappointed people yeah, when they watch this exactly. show. <laughs> like we're in the movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like this is Cinemax. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not uh, I paid for my subscription. So um, I can definitely agree as someone that has seen the first four episodes. It is not a sexy show. <laughs> um, so don't let all the talk of boobs mislead you. <laughs> it is not sexy. <laughs> well, I actually love, I, you know, just, uh, I, I really appreciate the fact that I think you broke both of them and you shared like a very human moment with those guys, which I thought was a lot of fun to hear. Yeah. I mean, they're both really cool dudes. Um, I've, I've met, uh, I'd met Kirkman before on several occasions and, uh, they're just, they're both just normal dudes and, uh, they were loving South by Southwest. And of course the series, uh, premiered there and they got picked up for a second season while they were at South by Southwest. So it was like a good weekend for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It doesn't sound like it's too bad. Yeah. Not, not, a, not a bad situation. So, it, so it's a good show though. It's just dark. It's very, very dark. And I have that full interview up on Fanbolt. Um, I transcribed all of that, which was so much fun when you're typing out like a 20, 30 minute interview. Um, so yep. please go read that. So all of that, that transcription time has been put to good use. Way more fun to read than to write. <laughs> yes, yes. A lot and more also, fun to read. Go there for the boobs. Uh, Emma added a lot of uh, Easter eggs, boobs. She didn't. Sorry, no, I'm lying. <laughs> no, you just should to... totally say that. There's just totally emoticon boobs all over the article. It's. <laughs> it is. I'm trying to think of a pun. I got nothing. I'm sad. <laughs> um, so, well, that, that yeah, that's really cool, and I, I really appreciated uh, listening to those guys talk about it. So, yeah, I got to check it out. It's really, really good. Again, premieres this Friday, June 3rd, and it'll be on every Friday night uh, for, well, for 10 episodes. It'll be on on Friday nights on Cinemax. Good old Cinemax. Yeah, I think I think this might be their show. I mean, they've had a few, like, um, Banshee was a great show, but didn't necessarily hit it big for them. Um, and, of course, they're affiliated or owned by HBO. And I think that this could be the show that they're, like, they've been wanting to really you know, breakthrough for them. Cause it's, it's great. It's Kirkman. It's, I think it's going to be big for them. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And, and Kirkman has nothing to do with fear the walking dead, right? It's just a complete spinoff away from his world. Or is he still involved in that thing in some way? You know, I have no idea. I stopped watching huh. fear. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard bad things and I, I don't remember seeing his name affiliated with it at all. So yeah, I, like uh, that, that'd be fine. I bet he'd be excited or is excited to play in a space outside of, you know, dead walking people. Yeah. Yeah. A little changing it up a little bit, you know, mixing it up. So that's going to be on Cinemax. And speaking of cinema, maximizing cinema. Box no. office. Yeah. Box <laughs> office. Hey, oh, we're such a dream team. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this week at the box office, um, X-Men Apocalypse came in in the top spot. It opened um, with $65 million and they expected it to rise to $80 million, of course, with the, the long holiday weekend. Um, haven't heard if it did, in fact, go to $80 million, but that was the projection. 
And overseas, it's brought in $185 million, So its worldwide total for um, up through end of day Sunday was $250 million. Coming that's, in, uh, sorry to interrupt, but that's behind what uh, Captain America Civil War pulled. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I love I love the X-Men franchise, too, but Captain America Avengers is it's where my heart lies. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering if the math aligned with your heart. It, it, would, it, it would seems that it does. It seems that it does. <laughs> um, coming in second, and this is, it's just been a, it's been a bad week for, for Johnny Depp. Um, coming in second was Alice Through the Looking Glass, which only premiered with uh, $28.1 million, uh, which is insanely far behind the opening weekend totals of the first film, Alice in Wonderland, which earned $116 million opening weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you can speculate as to why that is, and we don't need to, we're not that kind of podcast. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're, not we're not gonna go, go, go there. But, um, if you've turned on the news at all in the last, you know, week or so, you kind of know about what all is going on there. And it'd be kind of interesting to see if, you know, someone's personal life and kind of personal laundry that's being aired so openly in the media actually affects a film release. I, I don't know. I, I didn't. I personally, and of course, we're going to go into uh, my review of of the film. Um, but I just wasn't that enchanted by it. So I kind of wonder if it was the film on its own not being as amazing as people were hoping for, or if it actually did have to do some with uh, Depp's kind of personal issues. Uh, Angry Birds fell into third. Uh, they brought in eighteen point seven million. Captain America came in fourth, and Atlanta film Neighbors Two still holding on in the top five. It came in fifth. So Nice Guys did that end up being a hit? No, Nice Guys. Uh, nice Guys did not work out. Man, alive! I know it's such a good movie. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't think this bodes well for the sequel. I was hoping that it would get. <laughs> I don't think it does either. Unless, again, we call Netflix and be like, you know, Netflix, it makes a lot of sense. It'll be very inexpensive, I'm sure, to bring in all this top-tier talent. Oh, that bums me up. Yeah, oh, well. me too. But um, so goes it. Maybe it'll make some sort of, like, huge impact when it comes to, like, DVD or on-demand or all of the... You can just get movies everywhere now when they come out on DVD, Netflix, right. Hulu, wherever everything comes out, it comes out everywhere. I don't even, yeah. Everybody I talk to who uh, who who has an opinion about movies that I respect said good things about it. So it's Same at least here. got that point. It was a moral victory. It's it like, was. It's like what you did in the escape room. You still died, <laughs> so but close. great job getting as far as you did. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, there's a movie. There's called, a movie that, called that came up. Alice Through the Looking Glass. Alice Through the Looking Glass, uh, starring the one and only Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp and um, Maya, Maya, I don't even really know how to say her name. It's, you know, it wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't butcher someone's name. That's uh, right. <laughs> oh, the girl that plays Alice has a... It's Alice. Awesome. I'll have you know. <laughs> that was a horrible, like, lame Alice mispronunciation. My apologies, but please continue. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, a star-studded cast. Anne Hathaway, um, uh, Sasha Barry Cohen, Helen Butter Carter. Um, just just great, great cast. And the girl that, that plays Alice, um, uh, Maya, just does a, a great job. And really, I mean, she's in almost every scene and um, just... 
does fantastic, even paired up next to um, Helena Bottom Carter. She's just amazing. So uh, acting is good. The story itself, um, you know, what was actually kind of a fun fact about this is the film was directed by Muppets Most Wanted director, uh, James Bobbin, and I wasn't a huge fan of Muppets Most Wanted either. So, oh no, yeah, oh, you found a cause for the whole situation. I did. Well, what was the boredom factor in the film? Were you bored watching it? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, you know, it was visually stunning, and it's—I mean, all the visuals and kind of sets are on par with um, with a, a Tim Burton movie. Of course, he did the first one and kind of established the look for for this universe. Right. Um, and it's. It's a, it's a beautiful film. It just, you're very aware of how long it is and it's, uh, just seems to go on and on forever. And I didn't, I, I was, I was bored. Um, so I'm going to give it on a boredom scale, probably a four. Yikes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So were you rolling your eyes a lot or were you too bored to even roll your eyes because <laughs> they were closed? Um, I, don't know, I wouldn't, um, I'm going to give it a three on, on that. All right. Three. Yeah. Okay, so but but you said uh, the woman who played Alice. Yes, she was name? great. It was great, yeah. Yeah, and um, of course, uh, Alan Rickman. He uh, he voices a character in this, and I would probably give best performance to him just because I didn't I didn't realize going into it that oh. he was going to be a part of it, and so that was um, a really a really awesome kind of surprise to be able to remember how much I loved and admired all of his work. Um, yeah, so guy, yeah. even though he was just a voice in this, I'm going to give it to him. Um, even though I should totally give it to the girl that played Alice, because again, she was in every scene. Um, but I didn't really have a problem with any of the acting. There wasn't any really bad performances. Um, Sasha Barra Cohen's character really, um, really made the film um, in terms of comedy. He was a much needed kind of comedic relief throughout. And, uh, I mean, aside from that, it just wasn't enchanting. And, and Johnny Depp, I mean, playing the Mad Hatter, such a, you know, iconic character and really the, the, uh, the face of all of the Alice movies that are, well, this one and the, and the previous one. Right. Um, he's, his character is just very muted in this one. And, and it goes hand in hand with the storyline. He's kind of, you know, um, in this kind of dis, depressed place because he's lost his family and um, Alice tries to go back through time in order to to save his family and so it's in in character with how his how Matt Hatter is supposed to be in the film but it just doesn't it feels long kind of sad depressing and just not the kind of happy upbeat movie that you would expect from from Disney and, and of course from the Alice franchise it's just not it just wasn't enchanting oh man well yeah that's it. like to call an Alice in Wonderland movie not enchanting yeah that's there's definitely a warning sign so what's uh, what's the overall score here um overall I'm gonna give it a two so it's gonna get an at it's gonna get another at that's yeah. two ats in a row uh, you know I I'll admit like when I saw when it was being marketed, I was like, "Ooh, really? Hmm, that seemed like a one and done." So sometimes, it, like, and, if, and I feel this way actually with Tim Burton. He's got such a specific aesthetic. Sometimes I think it's kind of tough to, like, if they like, like let's say they made a, a sequel to um, The Nightmare Before Christmas, I just, it would feel super wrong. You know, it like would. There's, there's something about like revisiting an aesthetic that that was that was so powerful on its own terms. To kind of rehash that. I, I don't know. It's like, 
it's it's yeah. But all right, well, it's not where it's at apparently. No, so, no. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting to me that they they came back to this one because you know they've been doing all these live action ones, and of course, you know the next big one's going to be Beauty and the Beast, which looks right. spectacular, even from just the teaser trailer, which really showed us absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> So I don't, you know, we don't have a trailer or a, a film to my knowledge that's coming behind Cinderella or, you know, some of the other um, Jungle Book or the lo- other live action uh, films that they've done. So I'm not sure why, why they chose to go back. I mean, maybe the $116 million opening weekend is probably the reason why they went back and did it. That's pretty, right. pretty awesome opening weekend. Right. Yeah. But um, it just doesn't... I don't know. It's, I still remember being a little kid and watching all of these movies originally, the, the animated versions of these movies yeah. and asking my parents, um, what happens when Disney runs out of movies or runs out of stories to tell? And I remember my parents saying, that'll never happen. And well, no, clearly it's happened. <laughs> right. It's, it's, right. you know, when we're doing sequels, I mean, I don't know how many sequels like Lion King had and, um, oh, yeah, like the straight to DVD stuff yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this kind of fills in vain with that. It just wasn't, it wasn't a project that needed to be made. So. Yeah, there was no part of me. I mean, I saw the first one. I remember being like, all right, it's kind of what I expected. But there was certainly no part of me like that was like, I can't wait to go back to that world and see yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty, but it wasn't like I was I wasn't blown away by it. And I wasn't I don't know. I was just like, yeah, that looks good. Right. <laughs> right. Gotcha. All right. Well, so another at. Another at. Well, you know what? Disney's OK. They're still. Doing all right. They're fine. They've got Marvel and Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, they're they're still gonna they're gonna make it through this and the Jungle Book, which which I loved. Right. Yes, I, I also I Book. was surprised actually how much I liked that movie. I was going in like, oh, you gave that a full Atlas, didn't you? Oh, now I, I can't remember. It was either an Atla or an Atlas. Yes, yeah. it was definitely a four or five. And it was that four one, or five. by the way, whatever, I would have agreed with you on that one. So. So there we oh, go. Oh, it's our first time agreeing. I know, but it doesn't count because we didn't we didn't see it at the same time. That's true. So it doesn't does not count. count. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so so hopefully after the the dreariness of of that, okay, I almost made a uh, Johnny Depp domestic violent joke there. See, it's too soon. That it's we're too not that soon. kind of too podcast. Soon. <laughs> just as you said, you went on a tour. I did. I did. I went on Atlanta Movie Tours Big Zombie Three Tour, which featured um, a number of locations from the last couple of seasons of The Walking Dead. And um, that tour is heavily based down in uh, Griffin and Noonan, and it is just freaking awesome. Nice. So you had a, you had a good time. My, I did. That's cool. Like, I kind of dig Hampton. I didn't know Hampton was a thing until we were doing the stuff for this tour. Did you like the Hampton parts? I did. I did. You know, we walked by. I want to say it was like a bookstore or something, a bookstore or a cafe, and like everything on the front made it seem like it was a coffee shop. And then the guys out front were eating chicken wings, and I was like, I'm really intrigued about this establishment. <laughs> It looks like really good chicken wings. Um, So, yeah, I want to go back. And even Griffin, um, I had no idea that it was that big. And I don't know if I've ever, I don't think I've ever actually been to Griffin before. Um, Not that far south. I actually don't know how long it would take to to go straight there from here. Because when I went down, I I drove to to your office, Atlanta Movie Tour's office, and then drove... um, down to Harrelson and then from Harrelson to Griffin um, with the the tour. Gotcha. But um, yeah, it's a it's a really 
big city. I mean, not like a, a big city, but it's a lot bigger than I thought it would be and has a lot of old um, old town charm to it that's really kind of endearing. It surprised me the same way. I was like, this isn't like, because, you know, you start to think, oh, it'll be something like Sonoy, which is Woodbury, or something like Hampton, which right. which feels bigger in scope on screen. And then all of a sudden you're there and you're like, no, actually, this is, this is kind size. of a city over here with yeah. these buildings and downtowns. And yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That, that's cool. So, what was your uh, what was your favorite location? Well, if you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you probably know the answer to this. Um, totally, the scene uh, in the, the alleyway where you know there's a, a body outline on the the pavement from where Glenn fell um, in that scene where we all thought he was dead. Spoiler yeah. alert! If you've not seen the last season of the show. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're, you know, and, and I knew, I knew that I didn't think he was dead, but still it was, um, a pretty, pretty heart pulling string, heart string pulling episode, uh, nonetheless. And it was a really cool that, um, whoever put that body outline there, it's, and you can lay in it and you know what? I, I was like challenge accepted when you told me the proportions yeah. were weird. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, they were a little weird. Um, his arms, like, I, yeah, it's like the, the arms and the legs are way too long in relation to what the torso is. Right. Uh, no, it's, it's, but it, it's really fun to actually watch people try to figure that out. Because yeah. they're like, I'm aligned here. What the hell? Why what is the, the arm hell? still going like three feet that way? <laughs> right. Right. No, it's a, uh, so yeah, well, so that's, that's, that's actually pretty interesting to me because I, I feel like that's a cool spot, but like, I actually geek out on those railroad tracks. Were you there when they went over those railroad tracks? Yeah. They've been used like a thousand times in different episodes. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. It is really cool to see. Um, it's, I mean, the Hampton episode, or the Hampton, I mean, it basically was the Hampton episode. They filmed, really was, filmed yeah. so much of that episode within like a two block radius. Um, and there was parts like that in Griffin too, where you're just kind of seeing like all of the different locations that are so close to each other that they used for all these different scenes that you would have assumed were, you know, quite far apart. So it's really kind of cool to see, um, see how they make all of that work. Well, that's actually one of the things I think I really appreciated about Hampton just kind of walking through it. It's like, well, actually, you know, the map of the area almost works with the map of what was going on. Exactly. And sometimes that is super not the case. Like, if you know an area, I remember watching Triple Nine, me and the seven other people that saw that film. um, (laughs) I was like, okay, this getaway, knowing Atlanta makes no sense. They are getting nowhere at all, but to most people just watching, it doesn't matter. So it's like a fun fact shared by, by very few. But, but I actually kind of walk around like, oh, that's cool. It, it would make sense that they would run from there in this direction and end up here, you know? Well, except for when they actually do get cornered. Yeah, when, I was about to say, yeah, they could have just ran down the open the, road the that would have been to their way. left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. But, but outside, I mean, but, but, but in terms of how they got there, it kind of made sense from a flow perspective in which way they run. And we totally, what a nerdy thing to notice. But I was like, oh, that's cool. And also, I don't know, uh, it's right there by uh, a nice little brewery. Gel House Brewing, yeah, also, which is uh, which is a place that's on my short list to visit soon. Yeah, that looked really cool. I wish I just had more time to kind of explore the areas. I definitely want to go back and and check out that coffee shop and try their wings <laughs> and uh, their chicken wings, uh, and go to the Gel House Brewery. I think that I mean that looks that whole area looked so cool and so cute. It's very movie setting. I even like it because the other. Uh, 
shop front was um it, they've got like fun little Disney looking critters out in front. And then you look at what it is and it's like a pest removal yeah. service. Yeah, they have like a raccoon out front. Yeah, and exactly. The- <laughs> and like a friendly bear, but not in this life. No, no. <laughs> Next life. <laughs> how, how many people were on it? What, what was what was who guided? Yeah, um, Kent was our tour guide and he did a really, really great job. And we had we had a full house on the bus. So I, it was about half media. And then we had um, a couple a couple of tourists on with us as well. So it was kind of, it's always interesting to get to kind of see how the tourists react to, and you're not just with, you know, a group of media. So that was pretty cool. Um, but of course all the media people that were there were huge fans of the show too. So every, everyone was, was a walking dead fan. Good deal. Yeah. Kent, uh, Kent does good stuff. And he, he actually, uh, the, the stuff that he did outside of the walking dead, did he show his reel during that? He tour? did. He did. Yeah. He, he's played some amazing characters. Some of the makeup that he had, I can't remember if it was vampire diaries or yep. the originals vampire, vampire diaries. diaries. Yeah. 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 That was incredible. That yeah, was, was incredible. Yeah. It was when I was putting together his reel. I'm like, dude, this isn't just some extra stuff. You're freaking acting right yeah. here. Yeah, so it was, it was cool to see. I'm glad it was good, and I hope that it continues to be good for all of our visitors and stuff. People people have been seeming to be geeked on it. We're still getting good reviews, so hope that keeps going. Definitely. I highly recommend it. Nice. Well, that, <laughs> that means a lot, actually. So I'm ready for your surprise, whatever it is. It's totally... See, this is wrong to put a surprise. I was just like... I, I was thinking last night because I watched a movie that when it was advertised looked horrible to me. I'm like, that movie looks horrible. And I finally was like, ah, I'll just check it out. I ended up laughing hysterically at it. And it, it got me thinking there should be like a like some sort of segment we can do on this thing, like second chance or overlooked or something. Because <laughs> it was a movie that I watched and ended up really enjoying. And I actually looked on Fanbolt to see if you reviewed it, and you hadn't, but you did talk about it a little bit. I'm, of course, talking about the classic film, Wedding Ringer. Did you ever see Wedding Ringer? Wedding Ringer. With, with Kevin Hart and Josh Gad? I didn't see that. Um, I had We did do a little bit of coverage on it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I didn't see. I heard it was good though. I actually did hear that it was good. Well, yeah. See, again, I, I, I just saw the previews. It looked so dumb, and then I watched it. And I must admit, I mean, it's not like a film that's going to win an Oscar, but I was laughing uh, pretty hysterically at a few of the parts, which is always fun when a movie you think is just going to be absolutely horrible be good. So that honestly, that was it. That was like. Uh, so if you haven't seen Wedding Ringer, I suggest uh, watching it if you're into comedies that are funny. <laughs> I mean, most people probably are. Well, some people are really into dark comedies. That's true. That aren't funny. Well, no, you're you're totally right. You you may have a point there. Uh, But yeah, no, I I just it was it was just a really pleasant surprise. I I put it on last night when we were going to sleep, and all of a sudden I woke Mandy up because I was laughing at it. So that's that's a good sign. No, that is that is. So uh, that's what you upsold as a surprise, not a surprise at all. Just uh, (laughs) just a movie that I didn't see that I've now seen that I'm glad I saw. That's an awesome surprise. I'm so sorry for our listeners that I (laughs) did that to be (laughs) something so much more than it was. (laughs) That's right. So uh, it's epic and explosions happened. so no, but I, I was actually watching this uh, this new classic, and I realized, and I, it wasn't filmed here, but one of the producers based out of Atlanta, Will Packard, was a producer on the film. But I think that's a brilliant segue into filming and other such magicalities happening in and around Atlanta. That was a brilliant segue. Thank you very uh, much. I'm very brilliant. <laughs> um, I also yeah, we like have... comedies that are funny, by the way. I love it. That's That's my takeaway from this. 
Um, so yeah, we have a lot of stuff that's coming. Uh, we've talked about some of it before. Of course, Marvel announced that Black Panther is going to film here in Atlanta. And that's going to be coming and, and shooting, I think, right around the time that um, the Inven- Avengers Infinity War is going to be filming. And what else do we have? An IFC TV series called Brock Meyer is going to start filming soon. Zombieland 2 is still expected to film here sometime late summer. There's rumors of a Goosebumps sequel that might film here. Of course, Walking Dead started back uh, May 2nd on Season 7. Um, Baby Driver has been seen all over the place. They've got to be near wrapping if they haven't actually wrapped yet. Um, They were spotted um, early in the month uh, at the Atlantic Civic Center and Goodfellas Pizza. Um, Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman's new film, Office Christmas Party, uh, has been up in Hiram. National Geographic's new made-for-TV movie, Killing Reagan, has begun production and has been spotted at Emory's Briarcliff campus in addition to the sound stages at Screen Gem, and it's also been spotted over on Forsyth Street. Oh, wow. Uh, Big production. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jacob's Ladder, which I'm really excited about, um, that's been spotted over in your neck of the word, uh, your neck of the wood, <laughs> um, at the, the Nelson Street Bridge. Yeah, it's um, actually, uh, when, when I was here today, I was like, mm, there's some other, somebody else set up in the gulch down there and that's who it is. Jacob's Ladder. I was all excited that you were going to report it and I was going to have something to add to this report, but that didn't work out that way. Nah, you can't pull one over on me. No, I know. <laughs> Um, Fast 8 has been spotted. Uh, they had a set spotted down near Crog Street Market as well as uh, some stuff going on on Jimmy Carter Boulevard and Norcross. Um, Liam Neeson's new film Felt um, has been spotted around town as well near the Cop Gallery at North Druid Hills in addition to the Georgia Archives building. Um, the FX series from Donald Glover, Atlanta, which you would expect to be seeing everywhere, has actually not been that easy to find, but it has filmed a couple of times at Club Rio. Huh. Um, Nicholas Cage's Vengeance, a love story, has been spotted at the Fulton County Courthouse, as well as up in Alpharetta. Um, William H. Macy's Crystal, which stars The Flash's Grant Gustin, uh, has been filming just south of the city in McDonough, Jonesboro, and Fayetteville. And actually, Grant just, uh, Gustin, what did I say? Gustin? Gustin. Grant Gustin. Um, we say names wrong. Yeah. That's that, our thing. That should be our tagline. <laughs> <laughs> the Atlas. We say names wrong. It's good. We'll try solid, it. Solid. It's solid. Yeah. Um, but apparently he's wrapped production on that now. So, uh, he's, he's done filming Crystal, but that film or that project is still, still filming around town. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, of course, is still filming down in Pinewood. Uh, it's going to be wrapping soon because Spider-Man Homecoming is coming in pretty soon. Um, in addition wow. to that, as far as celebrity sightings around town, James Gunn has pretty much visited every restaurant that the city has. <laughs> um, uh, which <laughs> He's I love. actually coming over to my house for dinner tonight, you know, just to, just, just to say hi. He's, he's not actually. He's got to be thorough. He's got to be thorough. Yeah. We're horrible cooks. It would be a horrific situation if that were true. <laughs> I'm sure he would be kind about it. He seems like a very nice guy. Here's a delightful uh, TV dinner. Salisbury steak. <laughs> um, Michael Rooker also made a visit to the Georgia Renaissance Festival and posed with a, a lovely lady that has a tattoo of Daryl on her arm. Some uh, some pretty great Instagram photos there. Um <laughs> And in case you are wondering, James Gunn's restaurant tour of Atlanta has uh, so far included JCT Kitchen, Poor Calvin's, which he's been numerous times, um, 
And those are actually the only ones that I have on the roundup for this month. But uh, every month there's like four or five restaurants that he's been to that he's posted pictures from. And he also has frequently visited the uh, Tinseltown theaters in Fayetteville as well. Um, he saw Jungle Book there on just a few days ago. <laughs> this, is, this is starting to get creepy. Where is, he, where is he right now, right this moment? Hey, if they post it on their social media, then I'm just supporting local businesses. That's, so. a, that's fair. Um, but yeah, we have a, uh, a huge listing of all of the, the code signs, the, uh, the yellow signs that you see around town with the codes on them. If you want to know what those codes stand for, which productions they are, we have a piece that went up, um, on Fambolt with the, the most up to date list of all of the productions in the city and the signs that have been spotted around town. And then of course, um, what's coming trailers that have been released for projects that have shot here and are coming out. And all of that is up on Fambolt. Up on Fanbolt, which is a, a computer website that you can visit using a computer or cellular smartphone device. This is true. This is accurate. <laughs> yes, I was, I was just I was just reading the small print. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for for this week. Next week we're going to have um, some interviews from Powers, uh, Sony PlayStation Network. Their original series, Powers, films here in Atlanta, and I visited set probably three times um, during season two. So we've got some cool interviews coming from that. And uh, Jakai and I are going to go see the uh, romantic movie Me Before You tomorrow I'm, night. And I'm so super excited about it, you guys. Oh, man. He's so not. This is such a lie. He looked up the reviews before, and apparently the reviews are not good. <laughs> so <laughs> well, no, I'm, jealous. I'm jealous of the movie you get to see tonight. So... I'm just being a bitter, bitter, spiteful person. We will also have a review of Popster next week, which will probably be, probably will be funnier than me before you. Um, I also, uh, a little, a little fun fact slash surprise for listeners. We're going to have a contest up. It will, by the time we post this podcast, the, the contest will be live for me before you. So if you're a girl or you're a guy who wants to get his girlfriend something nice, we're going to have some bumblebee tights. Which, if you've seen the trailer, you'll understand the importance of the bumblebee tights. Um, we have those up on Fambolt along with like a, a little grab bag of me before you stuff. I hope this movie is good. I've told everyone that I think it's the new notebook and that's purely based on the trailer and the book. I've, I've read the book. The book's amazing. So I don't, I don't know how they can mess it up. I hope they don't. <laughs> well, we'll know tomorrow. <laughs> we'll know we'll tomorrow. Know tomorrow. <laughs> And uh, also to follow up on two things. Number one, I talked to Eric, again, the guy who played Radzinski in Lost, and it turns out that it was not beer in the cans. It was non-caffeinated Coke, which I thought was a very odd thing to be in the Dharma beer. So That is a weird thing, but yes. I guess they have, I, I don't know if the, I, I remember I visited Burn Notice, uh, their set in 2009, and um, the lead star of that show, uh, Jeffrey Donovan, was so like anti-Coke. And so like anti, like any, like we were all sitting there having lunch at the press table and he's like going around the table telling each one of us like what we're eating that's unhealthy. And it was one of the most incredibly awkward interviews I've ever had. Uh, um, but there was like eight other people that all had like way worse like plates than me. So it was, it wasn't horribly bad for, for me personally, <laughs> but I just remember him all him like yelling at us about not yelling at us, but him being like, you guys shouldn't drink Coke. Like this is bad. For, and I'm like, I love Coke. I drink Coke all the time. Like, so. <laughs> How I dare guess, you, Burn Notice? Yeah, I, I wonder if it was anything to do with an actor's preference or 
or, or why, why they chose to, to fill the Dharma beer cans with non-caffeinated. Well, it's, it's a great, it actually combines because uh, Eric was actually on an early episode of Burn Notice and had scenes with that guy. So there you go. Oh, I, I don't full know circle. If, uh, yeah. See, it all, it all ties up <laughs> nicely. And then, and then the very finale thing. Have you watched Angus yet? No, I uh, knew you were going to ask me it's that. Right. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. So Angus, a movie from 1995. What I keep bugging you about because of James Vanderbeek was in it before he was really who he became. Dawson Leary. Dawson Leary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before he had a creek of any kind. Aww. Okay, so um, on that note, uh, we should never end this episode. Let's just keep talking. Let's just keep talking about random yeah. stuff. That's it for for this week. Um, thank you guys for listening. My name again is Emma Loggins. I'm editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com. Uh, my name is Jakai Mickelson. I'm the creative director at Atlanta Movie Tours, where I'm currently sitting under a very noisy air conditioner. <laughs> we'll see you guys, or we'll talk to you guys next week. We see you always. We're always We watching. know where you are. If you check in on social media, Emma's going to report it. It's over. It's one of our creepiest episodes ever. <laughs> <laughs>